0: Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining Bamboo Made. This podcast is hosted by myself, Sally. Ebb. So for this week's episode, I had a very special guest join me, and we have been longtime friends. The special guest this episode is Angus Yu. So this episode is extremely special to me because Angus and I have been friends since junior high, and we've only grown closer through the years. This episode was even more nerve-wracking for me because I really wanted to capture his truth and his own journey. Some of the highlighted topics that we're going to talk about include how his experience was growing up as an Asian-Canadian, him coming out as gay, and the importance of mental health. So without further ado, let's
1: get started.
0: So Angus, would you like to introduce yourself for us?
1: Hi everyone, my name is Angus Yu. Uh, I'm a friend of Sally's. Uh, I am currently in a nursing program at the University of Lethbridge, and I'm hoping to be an RN in uh, an ICU department at Foothills one day.
0: Angus, how um, would you say your experience was um, growing up as an Asian Canadian?
1: So um, one thing I talked about in my Aboriginal health program was like growing up as a minority, except that I never felt like I was a minority growing up. uh, In Calgary, in elementary school and junior high and high school, I was surrounded by other Asians, mainly Chinese people, so I didn't feel like I was a minority. I always felt like I had similarities with the people around me. We could speak the same language, both English and Cantonese. Uh, We ate similar foods, so there wasn't really any of that like uh, bullying or uh, things like that regarding like the smell of our food that you sometimes see on like uh, TV.
0: I think growing up for me and some my audience already knows part of this too is that I I've never felt really that connected to my Chinese heritage. Growing up in Canada, I feel like I was very much influenced by the Western culture and and I, I and I wish I was able to take some of that time back to reconnect to my Asian heritage. And you know, this is not something I feel like my parents really pushed on us to learn about. Um like Chinese history or kind of our, our family tree and I, and I wish I knew a lot more about that so Angus like for you how did you feel connected to your Asian heritage or your Chinese heritage
1: mm, when I was a kid I also wasn't very connected to my Chinese heritage but again because I never had something like a, a base point to go off of of what a Chinese kid growing up in a very Chinese household would be like, uh, it didn't feel unnatural to me. I went to Chinese school as a child. It felt like I was forced to. I really didn't want to. Who wants to spend their weekend going to school and learning something? I'd rather be playing. And I felt the
0: exact same way. I I felt like my Saturdays were wasted by going to Chinese school. And I felt like that was just an environment for all of us to hang out
1: and
0: learn to essentially cheat on exams.
1: <laughs> yes, we weren't really learning Chinese at that point.
0: No, it didn't uh, feel that way for sure.
1: But um, as I got older, um, my mom, when we took art classes, my mom did uh, Chinese painting in the art classes while I did just uh, like traditional Western style sketches. But just watching her paint and like looking at the paintings, uh, I did feel like there was a part of me in the painting or like something about the painting was kind of talking to me. And so um, I took an interest in that, which surprised my mom. And uh, later on around, I believe, high school, I asked to switch into Chinese painting. And uh, even just in the beginning, um, doing the painting with like the brushstrokes and the different colors and the ink and the paper, all of it felt very... Uh, natural to me or normal that <clears throat> this was something that was kind of a part of me and later on uh after going to hong kong a few times and um after kind of like things on youtube took off i would uh, find a lot of different music as well uh, chinese music so played by a lot of different instruments so like the Urwu, um the gu zhang, which is something i really like and similar to the Chinese painting, it just felt like that was a part of me. And so I also took an interest in learning the instruments, which, again, really surprised my mom and my dad at that point when he found out because they never really thought that I had much interest in Chinese uh, culture. And I'm not sure if part of that is because they wanted to instill... Uh, certain qualities in me that they thought would make life growing up in Canada easier.
0: So for some of the audience members and myself that don't really know the difference between Western painting and Chinese painting, can you describe what the difference is? And...
1: Uh, so I would say that Chinese painting is a bit similar to watercolor. Uh, the paper is quite different though. Chinese painting uses very thin paper that absorbs water very quickly um, the ink, though, is water-based, so you would mix the the uh, ink with water and the different colors with water to get, like, lighter tones, or you would take out some of the water to get a darker tone. Uh, I think one of the differences, though, is the brush strokes. So I find that Chinese painting uses much longer brush strokes, um, and there's kind of a more curve and flow to the paintings versus uh watercolor or acrylic or oil um they all kind of have their own techniques and watercolor is i guess the most similar because you can have like those long brush strokes
0: is it more colorful like is our chinese paintings more colorful or is it very much like the black and white and gray that we normally see on asian dramas
1: that is the norm for the most part and even the colors that we use aren't very vibrant they're a bit more muted yeah we don't use color very often i'm not really sure why actually it's just kind of a thing
0: okay and what about the guzheng? um could you explain to to myself as well like what does that look like and what does it sound like is it equivalent to a certain instrument in the western
1: so it looks like a long rectangular box, maybe like a meter and a half, with strings going across lengthwise. And then on each string there is kind of a bridge. They're called horses in Chinese, but the string sits on this bridge that, and that bridge is mobile. So you can actually, and that's one of the ways of tuning it. You can either tighten the string or move the, the bridge and that'll change the pitch of the strings. I believe in English the, there's an instrument called a zither That's, it's not a very common instrument, but that's kind of the equivalent name for what a guzheng is. Uh, As for the sound, it's...
0: It sounds beautiful. uh, (laughs) I I definitely know what it sounds like. So for those who don't know what it sounds like, I really encourage you go Go, on YouTube. Go
1: Google a video. Go
0: Google it, for sure. Or YouTube. (laughs) So I guess my question is like, why the guzheng? Because there's there's obviously a lot of instruments in, in Asian culture.
1: Um... I really like the way it looks, uh, and just the way it sounds. So I've heard things like the Wu, which is very similar to a violin. It's a stringed instrument where you pull a bow made of animal hair across two different strings. So it sounds like the violin. I've also heard, uh, the guqin, I think, uh, which is a similar instrument to the gu, uh, guzheng. Um, but it doesn't have the bridges so the tuning is only from tightening the strings uh i think just the look of h- how a guzheng looks with about all the different strings the bridges and just the way it sounds all comes together and it was really like i want to play that instrument kind of
0: that's so interesting like i think i love the sound of um more chinese instruments but I would have never taken it on as a hobby or even as an interest because I think there's a lot of there's there would definitely be a very deep learning curve and knowing how to play it but whenever I do see it maybe in like festivals or dramas I still think it's the most beautiful thing ever I mean it sounds wonderful it sounds almost majestic
1: yeah and I I also like the way people look when they play. It, they just look so graceful. Yes, they and look so, so grace- pretty and
0: graceful and elegant. And I'm I'm, like, I'm so jealous. That
1: could be me if I actually <laughs> practice more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Angus, when you decided to change your program um, from from computer science to to nursing. How do you think your family was able to support you through that change? Or was there was there support?
1: Uh, there was a lot of support from my mom. Um, she was just really encouraging a lot of the time because I had talked about a lot of what I was feeling and going through going through the uh, computer science program and how I was basically failing. Um, so when I told her I wanted to take a break and come back and then think about what I wanted to get into. Uh, she took that very well. Um, she did, of course, want me in that moment to get a job so I wasn't just bumming around at home, which is fair enough. So, But mainly, she was just always encouraging, like uh, making sure I made the deadlines for things, making sure I knew what the program was offering, how long the program was, and what I needed to get into the program.
0: And And I feel like... Growing up as a, as a Chinese Canadian, I think culturally, there, there are times where I felt, I feel like parents would pressure their kids to be complete, um, completed in something in their life at a certain time period, or they should have reached certain milestones. So did you kind of have that experience with your mom where maybe she's like, oh, you know, Angus should have graduated by now? Because maybe my friend's kids are graduated by now.
1: I did feel that, but only because I did it on myself. Uh, I pressured myself thinking that it was from my mom. So my mom never compared me uh, with my older sister. That was something I did. And she never really compared me with other people, other people's kids or our cousins, mainly because I have no cousins that are similar age to me. But regardless, she never really did any of that. I did it myself, so uh, I would look up to my sister and I felt like I needed to get into the same junior high program, which was the GATE program as her. I need to go to the same high school and do IB, which was the same as her. And then also, uh, both my parents and my sister graduated from the University of Alberta. So I felt like I had to graduate from the University of Alberta or else I somehow wouldn't be carry on carrying on some kind of legacy legacy but that was in my head my mom never pushed any of that on me it was just something I did
0: so essentially you didn't you didn't have a tiger mom
1: (laughs) no not really I mean like she made sure I did my homework she made sure I went to bed on time and she would yell at me if I didn't but not not to the extent that probably other people have
0: A couple of years ago, Angus, you came out to me saying you identified as gay, and I remember how much courage it took for you to, to tell that to somebody and for somebody to hear it. How did you know you were gay?
1: Um, I think it was after junior high. I kind of had I guess suspicions that I never felt anything around girls and at that point I never really felt anything around guys either but um that was just kind of when I guess I was confused about what I was and like we had our uh sex ed classes and I'm like okay whatever kind of thing but Um, I guess I didn't really come to terms with it until, I think, actually in high school. I don't really know what brought about it, because I have a terrible memory. Uh, But I did at some point just kind of realize, like, oh, I don't like girls. I like guys. I'm gay. I did still ask you to grad, though. He did. Part of it was, I think... I wanted to hide the fact that I was gay but also because Sally was just my best friend at the time. I guess I wasn't really comfortable with it until university and that's kind of when I told you because you were pretty much the person I trusted the most that I had the sense that even if I told you nothing would change between us.
0: It's true. Nothing changed. I was still just as mean to him as I was before. She's a
1: bully. (laughs) (laughs)
0: so what kind of made you more comfortable in just living in your truth
1: i think part of it since um when i first went to university it was in toronto just since no one knew me there it kind of didn't matter what i was i didn't already have this image of myself to other people so that part of it was that i think and then also another part is that um My friends back home did ask me about it a little bit, and I wasn't entirely truthful with them uh, at first, because I did have a worry that if I came out to them, something would change, which it didn't, thankfully. Um, They also bullied me still.
0: (sighs) Friends with bullies all the way around. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. So did you ever feel any sense of like guilt or shame? Yes. (laughs)
1: Yes. <laughs> so, um, the guilt, not really guilt, but I guess shame. Uh, in regards to my mother, uh, I was not willing to come out to my mom ever in the beginning. And, uh, And I think
0: you said you would have been okay with that. Yes. Without ever telling your mom.
1: I would have been okay taking that secret to my grave. Well, I guess after my mom passed, it wouldn't matter. I love you, Mom. Um But my friends did tell me at some point, like, I have to tell my mom I can't just go throughout my whole life living this secret or this lie. And to me, I wasn't like living a lie. And um in a way, I'm like, why can't I just go through my life keeping this secret? Like, everyone has secrets. Why can't I just have this and never tell my mom. I was fine with that. Also, I think partially because I I wasn't super interested in like a relationship. So for those people that either have found a significant other or are interested in dating, it it's probably a lot more difficult to hide that from someone because you're basically hiding an entire person and a relationship. I didn't have that problem because I'm fine being single. So... To me, it was like, no, I never have to tell my mom because um, part of it was for me and part of it was for her. Uh, At the time, my mom was going through a lot of stress, or I thought she was going through a lot of stress because I had failed out of computer science. I didn't know what I was going to do, what degree I would get, what I was doing with my life. So I... I didn't just want to add anything onto her plate. I didn't want to seem like more of a burden. And I did feel like a burden uh, at times. And then part of it was just for me. Um, I didn't want anything to change, kind of. And so I did eventually come out to my mom. And this is one of those things where you're kind of like in the moment. You just realize it's the right time. So, uh, initially I wanted to come out to my mom after I graduated university, got my nursing degree, got a job, maybe even got my own house because I felt like then there would be a lot uh, less on her plate. She wouldn't have to worry about what I would be doing in life. She wouldn't have to worry about if I'd have like a place to live or if I could be independent. So then I felt like that would be an appropriate time to kind of add something to our relationship since... She didn't have all those worries. But the moment I came out to my mom was actually during uh, university when I was actually in Lethbridge still and she was back in Calgary. This was over a phone call because everything I do is over phone calls with people. Um, I chose to do it at that time because it just felt right. Uh, It's very difficult to explain. Um, It's kind of like a gut feeling, I guess. I was talking to her about... um, things with clinical and just kind of how the program was going and we were having like a heart-to-heart moment and I told her that I wanted her to uh, go home because she was out at the time and uh, go into her room and kind of close the door uh, also because my aunt lives with us so I didn't want anyone else hearing the conversation and to sit down because I knew this would kind of be a big thing for her. She has shown in the past that I'm not sure if it's prejudice or dislike of um, the LGBT community. Like there were some actors she liked, but once she found out that they were gay, I could kind of see like a change in her demeanor regarding them. So I had that worry that um, something would happen between us. I was never really worried that she wouldn't love me, but that just that there'd be a, change. So I had her go home, uh, sit down, uh, close the door, and then I told her over the phone, crying, that I was gay. And she did reassure me, and she also did say uh, that she kind of had suspicions. Uh, The reason for that was because I never really showed much interest in any girls other than Sally, and that was kind of not really fake, but, like, it wasn't love.
0: It, yeah, it was We're definitely just, more friendship. Yeah. Like, best friend kind of friendship. Like, I
1: consider Sally almost like a sister. That's how close I feel with her. So there was no love there Um, in terms of, like, is it platonic or, like, relationship love, whatever. Um, So she had kind of already knew, and that actually felt a lot better that she already had suspicions. Like, it wasn't this completely new blow to her. Um, and afterwards we talked and she, she asked me if I felt better because she kind of knew I was struggling with, uh, not just school. Well, actually I wasn't really struggling with school, but things in clinical were happening and I was struggling with some other things, not directly related, but, um, some depression as well. And she asked me like, do you feel better now? Like, is this kind of lifting something off of you? And I, Yes, it was. Um, Like just getting that off was really helpful, and then the second person—well, not the second um, person—the other person I was worried about coming out to was my sister, and but that was a lot more casual. We were in my sister's kitchen; Uh, she was cooking, I believe, and I just came up to her and I was like, "Can I tell you something?" She's like, "Okay." I'm like, "I'm gay." She's like, "Okay," (laughs) and I was. I was a bit, uh, not really shocked because I knew at that point that she doesn't, she doesn't care in like the good way. Like nothing's going to change because I tell her that, and she actually asked me. She's like, "Can I tell Joe?" And Joe is her husband, and she, I'm like, "Okay," like because at that point, the two people I was worried about most already knew. So I'm like, "I don't care who else who else knows now," and um, there was something I asked her which uh, I really liked her response to was, um, my sister is Christian. I am not, I don't identify as Christian. And I asked her, so, like, what about your religion? Like, you're Christian, so how does that work? And she's like, I'm Christian. That means I'm accepting of all people. And that was kind of, like, That is so beautiful. Can
0: I please just say that again so everyone hears it? Is his sister's response to him coming out is, um, I'm Christian. I accept you as you are.
1: Yeah, that was, like, a... Yeah, that's that's my sister, basically. Like,
0: that's that's just absolutely beautiful, and I and I really wish that more people's experience coming out was more in that manner uh, versus sometimes what you hear, uh, whether it be on like news or media or just other people's experience that they're willing to share. And that some of some individuals get disowned by their family and they're not they're not accepted, and all just these negative negative experiences and i'm just really happy well personally i'm just really happy when angus decided to come out that his experience was positive relatively positive
1: yeah i'd I'd say it's relatively positive it's it wasn't without difficulties at all um my mom did kind of try to justify it like her
0: and i almost feel like in chinese culture in cantonese culture that happens quite a bit
1: yeah it happens with a lot of things so she was kind of like uh, when she she was kind of talking to me and she's like, well, when I was pregnant with you, I didn't take any medicine and I didn't do this. And I'm like, mom, we're not having this conversation. You can think about that on your own and you can kind of justify it on your own, but...
0: Because that's not the way it works.
1: <laughs> yeah, like this, this is me now um, and we're not having that conversation. And she's like, okay. So if she wants to do that on her own without me knowing, that's fine by me. But between us uh pretty much everything's good
0: that's that's so awesome and in earlier you had said you had just gone to the grave essentially without ever telling your mom what did that feel like like once that was just released physically did you feel almost like a boulder was lifted off of you
1: yeah i actually physically felt lighter <laughs> um, which is crazy well actually kind of like lighter and heavier the heavier part was because i was bawling my eyes out and like there's that tightness when you're in your chest when you're crying so like the physical tightness but then it did feel like there was something that just i did just feel physically lighter as well like just something was gone
0: so angus you had let me know that you've had depression, or at least you think that it was depression in in the past. Was holding in that secret of you being gay, was was that part of your depression at all, do you think? Or was it something else?
1: I actually don't think that was part of my depression. Uh, I think my depression was kind of situational and environmental. So thinking back on it now, it feels like my depression came from... It stems from feeling like a failure, feeling like a burden. A burden, not not in the sense of like, because I did talk about, um, when I did talk about being gay, I did talk about a burden, but not that, just being a burden on my mom, like monetary-wise, her having to take care of me, her worrying about me uh, getting into a program, getting a job and being independent, that kind of burden. And uh, I felt like my depression stemmed from not feeling like like not belonging I didn't feel like I always belonged so it kind of started in junior high Uh, I would float between a lot of different groups in junior high and uh, at at the time I didn't realize it I, I was kind of just like oh I have it felt like I had a lot of friends but at the same time I never felt really close to one group so I kind of didn't um, always feel like I belonged anywhere uh, this was kind of resolved a bit in high school when I did find like a group of friends and I'm still really good friends with them um, but at the same time it kind of went away when I first went to Toronto where everything was new and I think part of that was my own fault because when I went to Toronto I had this uh, mindset of I'm coming here for school Uh, I'm coming here to get a degree and I have my own social circle back home in Calgary. So I wasn't looking to build relationships other than maybe like, uh, we're classmates or we're partners on a project or maybe like, uh, like if I get to know you, maybe you can help me get a job. So like networking kind of relationships, but never really like close social relationships. So again, I felt kind of, uh, outcast and alone, um. So when I came back home um, to take a break from university, it did help a little with my depression. But at that point, I felt even though I had a social circle around me, the burden part got much bigger because I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I didn't know what uh, program I would be in. And uh, I just like my mom, of course, wanted me to get a job so I wouldn't be bumming around the house. So I could kind of feel like she was stressed out for me because she was so worried. It wasn't the idea that like you need to get a job or else I'm going to like kick you out of the house, but it's more, I want you to be independent. I want you to have a job so that you can live your own life. So that got really bad actually to a point where I did attempt a really bad attempt at suicide. I can joke about my attempt now, um, because it's past and i don't want to downplay or diminish anybody who has attempted suicide or is going through depression or has thoughts about suicide i can only personally joke about my attempt because it's in the past and it's something that no longer affects me
0: and some of you that know me know that i'm a huge advocate for seeking help and taking care of your mental health i think there's a lot more of us in In this world, than we think that suffer from mental illness and we don't even know it. So unless I think sometimes unless you've experienced it, it, it you don't even know that you were in that state until you get out of it.
1: Yeah, I didn't really think I was depressed until it got to like my lowest point. I just kind of like the thoughts of being a failure, the thoughts of being a burden to those they almost became kind of normal thoughts and I think that's when I would say I was depressed, but, um, going through the nursing program, uh, I've learned a lot about mental health and how, um, there's kind of like multiple types of depression. So there's one where there is, uh, something wrong with your brain chemistry. So you need drugs to fix it. Um, And then there's kind of the other side which is your brain is fine but you're just there's just been maybe a traumatic incident or a lot of things have built up and i think that was what i was experiencing so i didn't i didn't want to be on pills for the rest of my life although now with the knowledge i have i probably wouldn't be um so i never sought professional help i did talk about it with my mom after i told her about my attempt and she's like Do you want to go see a therapist? Do you want to talk to someone about this? I'm like, no.
0: And I think this is super important to note because sometimes in in Chinese culture, mental health is like not accepted.
1: It's like non-existent almost. We don't talk about
0: mm -hmm. it. I almost feel like it doesn't happen. Like there's no such thing. And if you talk about it, it's a taboo.
1: I think also uh, not just it's a taboo, is that in Chinese culture, because we have our own medicine as well there's kind of a, a different approach to mental health that might not always treat the root cause and there's also kind of a difference in uh, attributing symptoms so like in what I've learned like depression can manifest as like physical aches and pains um, feelings of sadness but those those symptoms might not always be attributed to depression in other cultures it might be attributed to something else so there's just kind of like a a mismatch almost
0: and i want to be clear here we're obviously not doctors nope um so S-
1: also still not a, technically an rn
0: so um if you do feel like something is off and something is wrong go seek kelp. there is no shame in going to seek help and something i encourage Um, my listeners, is that if you are part of an EAP program, so an an employee assistance program, um, if you have it at work, go and call that number. It is free. That is why they are there. And the consulting there is also very great. Um, I've used it myself. And I think that when you start getting medical help, when you're to that point, sometimes I don't want to say it's too late. But these are also preventative measures, right? Like when you're calling these kind of programs that maybe work offers you, or whatever, whatever help you find on on your own, it's more of a preventative measure. And there is no shame in seeking that kind of help and having those kind of conversations with someone that is licensed and someone that is professional, because they are there to, they're there literally to help you. And this is why they went to school, f- and that's why they went to school for and That's why they do the work that they do.
1: And I think even if you're scared of seeking professional help, just find one person in your life that you can talk to about that. That itself is very therapeutic and can help a lot. Because, like, I didn't want to talk to a professional about this, but just talking to my mom about it was very helpful. It doesn't have to be your parent or your sibling. It could be a friend. But just... Being able to talk to anybody about that is still very helpful.
0: So Angus, now now you're up to this point. What are what are you looking for now in your identity and your career, just moving forward?
1: Um, well, career wise, uh, I want to be an RN. Hopefully, work in the ICU department, uh, maybe at Foothills or Peter Lougheed, somewhere. Uh, I just like the uh, kind of constant activity and rush of the ICU department. So I'm, I'm glad that I have like a picture for myself and like a goal now. Uh, in terms of my uh, sexual identity, I don't know and kind of don't care where it goes. Because uh, it's still a
0: journey for you.
1: Kind of, it's still a journey. But at the same time, um, like I'm more than just gay. Um, yes, yeah, that, that is right. That's a part of me. But like, even though I'm, I've come out now. It's that doesn't change the fact that I'm. I'm still not really interested in a relationship. So it's like, I'm gay. Whatever. So what? Uh, I'd rather just. My focus right now is on my nursing degree, and that's kind of all I've been thinking about.
0: And guess I wanted to thank you so much for coming on to my podcast today. We obviously discussed a lot of different things, but ultimately, what do you want our listeners to take away from your story today?
1: Um. Well, thank you for having me on your podcast. I was really excited when you first told me that you were making this. Um. I guess what I want people to take away is that each of your lives they're your own stories, and so you decide where it gets to go. And for those of uh, you who may be struggling with your identity, with your sexuality, it is up to you who you tell. That is your choice, and uh, I think it's just very important that you realize that, because there are people in my life who don't know about it because I don't want them to, and I think just having control over that and uh, knowing that it is yours to tell is very important.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Angus. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Bamboo Made. This podcast is hosted by myself, Sally Yip, and I look forward to having you join me again next week.